volunteer um, for the Democrats were to reach out to me <clears throat> while I was driving home or you know, I didn't really get too much into the messaging until I had parked. But is this hypothetically um, what someone might say to you if they were a Democrat if I were in a situation where they texted me while I was buying a coffee and some marijuana, and then they At responded? The same place. Uh, well, no, <laughs> I wish that would be that would be ideal. Not um, too far in the future, but go on. That's the future that uh, the. Progressives <laughs> and the libertarians both want. This is the future. Mm. That okay. Well, that that's that's not going to happen as long as we have all these vice laws that are supported by you know over policing and you know things like the automobile exception. But we'll get there. Um, so, <laughs> hypothetically, a volunteer um, reaches out to me, and I am. Are you uh, telling us a short know. story? This is a short story you wrote. I'm going to assume that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's quite short. Okay. Quite fiction, short. Fiction, um, short it's story. fiction, short story. It's it, well, it's it's in it's a fiction short story in the form of um, a text message conversation. How modern of you, Joe? Mm-hmm. I always knew you were a brilliant writer. Hi, I'm blank volunteering with the Democrats. Is this Joseph? This is Joseph. Do you mean you're working for the National Democratic Party or a local party? No. Hello. How do you think money should be created? Democratically or by the wealthy? My apologies for taking a while to respond. Thank you for your patience. Election day is less than 70 days away. Can we count on your support for Joe Biden and the Democrats? I think one should work for their money, shrugs. It's a good tool to compensate people for working in the, towards the common good, but how should it be created? And I don't think Biden has taken a stance on this most central issue. But you're working for him. Has he? Actually, I'm a volunteer, so technically not working for him. I'm volunteering for the campaign because I feel it is important to get Trump out. I mean, you are working for him, just not being compensated in money. You're being compensated with the belief that you are working towards the common good. Actually, I started with the belief that I am working towards the common good. You started with the desire to work for the common good. You're continuing to volunteer because you get to believe you are fulfilling that desire, which is often a much better compensation than money. But only if you have enough money. And I think that the injustices in this world that seem too big of, to solve are the direct result of the work-for-your-money mentality that Trump and Biden share. They're always espoused by folks that have enough time to work for free to promote a cause that they really believe in. We should focus on working towards the common good and pay people who do it, because money is a creature of the state. Infrastructure that we use to give people credit for their pro-social work. Money comes after work, not before to account for folks' contributions. If you think it comes before, the infrastructure that we share, our money, our credit, will always be used to continue the injustices that come from the hordes of this money that have been gathered into the hands of educated white folks on the backs of our kin that have a little more melanin or a different language. The federal government assumed the debts of the states to compensate them for their contributions during the Revolutionary War by establishing a national bank. Canceling student debt is to compensate students and teachers and professors for the tremendous expenditure of their labor and efforts to bring the level of technical understanding of the world to a higher level. The fact that you reached me is the obvious common good that we are talking about. We have developed the ability to reach out and talk to each other instantaneously. It's time to pay the people who have made that possible. Some time goes by, and then... I say there's a lot to talk about already. No response. <laughs> okay. You mm -hmm. want to stop that? We can jump in there. I've got, 
that's about, um, I would say, about a third of the way through. A Manifesto by Joseph Wood. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> they started responding after that. Because, maybe not because, but I think I got them <laughs> with the next line, which was after a, a while break. Um, no response? You must not be getting compensated well enough to do this job with your whole heart. Oh, damn. <laughs> this poor motherfucker, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you know what I my do... response to that is? Fuck you, get your head out of your ass? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 you didn't need to use that many words. <laughs> Which are the well, two things most... that I say to you on a near daily basis. So, yeah, just the the just the premise of who where should money come from hmm. is that's a future topic though that's not today. Well, okay. you just brought it up for today, Joe. You started. Well, this. everything that's in the show is that's all in the show. <clears throat> it doesn't matter. What are topics? So, the, what I want to ask you. So we've had this conversation a bunch of times before. Where what is money? Is it real? Where does it come from? Um, and my understanding of your typical stance is that it has value because it's what we pay taxes with. So it's like a, a, a federal construct. But this leads me to believe that you think that it could need not necessarily be a federal construct. No, it's 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 not. I mean, really, like I I, I argue that the United States dollar it has value because we pay taxes in it. Money is intrinsically valued because it is something that can be used to compensate folks' previous contribution to the common good. And so, like, things like... So what sort of distinguishes different... So, like, as an example, Bitcoin is a currency. I think mm -hmm. we can all agree on that. That is not federally created and so it exists because I mean, of scarcity or because people are willing to trade with it like what yeah but allows i mean it's, it to exist like it's a medium of exchange and like it, it it i mean that like bitcoin has value because it's accountable and that's the whole like premise is that like money is used to settle accounts after work has been done or right and exchanged or goods exchange. Well, similar idea, right? Because like you're doing work to bring those goods to where they're finally going to be consumed, and that like you know you're compensated for that work, right? Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like it has like Bitcoin. I think has value because um, people like to buy drugs with it. Because it can keep track of the in a sort of anonymous way, and that ties into the whole. I mean, that's like. Okay, can we can we start a whole of uh, economic worldview based around like money has value because it buys drugs? Because I could get on board with that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, money has value because it buys. It buys. Because it buys mind things. Materials. Mind altering materials. It buys, materials, buys, it buys food, uh, Physiologically shelter. altering materials. Like money has value because it buys materials that improve, in your estimation, your conscious experience. I mean, there's all, all there's 
also sort of subconscious drivers. But so the, the what I was trying to get at. I don't think a lot of money exchange happens in subconscious spaces. It's the subconscious that implements your estimation, not that it's. Well, I mean, most of our, our drives aren't, aren't necessarily fully conscious. Right. But that's they just like when you're dealing with money to settle accounts like those drives just feed into your estimation of the personal value that you attribute to a thing. And, you know, obviously that's all affected by your environment, too, and how much how easy it is for you to to scrounge up some money. Like if you can just like make three hundred dollars appear um, by punching some buttons and waving your electronic device in front of a machine. um then like you know you have a different relationship to to money than somebody who can't make that happen um, which that i get into that um well so before you continue reading and i do want to hear the rest but i want to sort of ask the question that you asked to him to you which is where do you think money should come from i think it should be democratically created to compensate folks for their contribution to what we decide collectively is progress. What does it mean to democratically create a currency? I mean, probably establish a national bank and extend credit to the, assume, like, I mean, assume student debts, like, I mean, really, like, that's what the Federal Reserve does. It just assumes bad debts when businesses get too tangled up in their own web. So what's different about, sorry, but you're still suggesting a federal system that's either privatized or publicly owned or i mean it doesn't have like i mean what do you mean a federal system like do you mean a a a system that is controlled by the the central government like in what region like well like so you're saying global you're saying it should be global rather than i mean i don't know like those are those are political decisions right like i'm i'm just one person like i mean we have to find a way to, to to deliberate about these things i think well, I'm asking you because you started off asking this. Right, but I like I <laughs> that's in a fair. way that made it sound like you had that Biden's stance on the money generation was a problem, which makes I mean, me he, believe that you have a better solution in mind. I mean, I think as it stands, like the the primary like political body that has that type of power is the United States federal government. I'm not saying that that should forever be the the mechanism. And obviously it's tremendously undemocratic to all of the folks that are on the receiving end of judgments in U.S. dollars, let's say. Um, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily think that like... Like different political bodies shouldn't deal in the the currencies and promises of future trade with the U.S. Like you know, I, I don't know. Like we have different currencies that are you know exchangeable at floating rates, and like different types of political organizations have different levels of control over the creation and distribution of that accounting resource but like i i i am in the united states and uh, you know 
have that political bond with those that are also under the same set of laws. So the, my understanding of the main issue is that there's sort of a power imbalance in the way that the value of currency is assigned that gives the United States a bunch of power at the expense, or the, the power, the wealthy within the United States power at the expense of the rest of the world. Yeah, I and mean other people within the United States. Yeah, yeah, like the the ability to to create that money and like really it's it gets further when you get into sort of national politics because it's not just you know creating a, a a system of account within an internal political bond band, but it is creating a system of account and then a system of processes and procedures that determine the ledgers, right? Like you know, it determines, um, uh, you know, what transactions are legitimate and what transactions are seen as fraudulent, um, right? Because it's really like it's a system of account, and so the rules about when the quantity shifts between different accounts are set by the laws and by the courts in a lot of ways, because you know you. I mean, like, it gets into vice law. Like, what's the problem with, like, what's the fundamental way that people end up in jail for drugs? It's selling them. It's like when you, you know, start to make I don't money know if that's on that's necessarily it. true. I think simple possession accounts for a huge amount of the prison population. I think the simple possession, I mean, like, think, think about it this I think it might way. get, like, maybe if, if it's you're a major up to, uh, well, I to mean, in, intent to distribute. Yeah, I think that happens a lot, but I think, well, you got to think about the difference in sentence length, right? Because if, you know, I mean, you pick up the same number of... I what, five years mandatory minimum sentence in certain places? I'm not, I'm not sure this is, like, the general but, lay like, of the I mean, land like, on that. I think a lot yeah, of that has some... been equalized in, you know, as, as people have pointed to, to dis- disparate treatment and dis- sure disparate, disparate distribution of... between crack cocaine and powder cocaine has changed. I don't know if that's yeah. necessarily the case, but like, you know, 500 grams of cocaine and five grams of crack cocaine get you the same prison sentence, essentially. Mm, and that's right. possession. That has nothing to do with distribution. Though 500 right. grams of cocaine is probably, you know, going to Trump. <laughs> yeah, what? I, you know, and I'm, I mean, I'm probably wrong. That's not trumping figures. up, let, dude. Let me just. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, just verify we, we can that. Cut that all I'm out. pretty sure it's a crazy disparity like that. Um, I mean, certainly, but though, still, I don't think you point. can say that it's like the the prison population of uh, drug offenders is necessarily like driven by people who are like getting uh, paid for it. Because I really don't think that's the case at all. I think simple possession okay. is a yeah. huge, huge, huge part of that. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, a lot of it is not only simple possession, but it's like simple possession with some violence right like not to say that that's the majority or anything but like that's i mean at least that's the narrative around it right it's like these these violent non-violent drug offenders that are primarily getting arrested for possession make up a pretty sizable portion of our prison population but i think even that still feeds into your point that it happens outside of the court sort of sanctioned set of transactions that are allowed you know the yeah 
taxed drugs are fine. Drink right. your booze. Drink your booze as long as we're, you know, able to exert control over the negative externalities that come from that consumption. And a lot of the way we exhibit that control is through, you know, social shame. And, you know, the people who really it can't is. do it. It's literally 500 grams to five grams. Just to throw that out there. I mean, but what's a, what's a, um, what's a dose of crack? Is it less than cocaine? Or I would imagine it's, it's, it's more. I think it's more, yeah. What's a dose of crack cocaine? What's a dose of coke, though? That's kind of a hard I mean, question. yeah. I, I mean, mean, I'm just going to say, like, I mean, like portion like, of a gram. I don't think people are like casual cocaine users are necessarily snorting one gram lines at a time. Um, yeah, but the point, point is, I mean, that that's pretty blatant disparity in like, you know, uh, powder cocaine versus crack cocaine and getting you the same five year um, prison se- prison term. And I'm going to look at the reference on that in this particular article that I'm reading. Wait, it's it's the same. Oh, wait, I might have I might have been mixed up a little bit. So you're saying that five five hundred grams of powder cocaine and or five grams of crack cocaine both result in a five year prison term. And that's where. Um, by two thousand one. Uh, do, do, do. Right, because like crack, you know, laboratories of democracy. By the nineteen eighties, the link between minority. Minorities, drugs, and crime was firmly cemented in the American way to make a body easier. This is another point that most of these sort of vice, a lot of these vice laws come to be uh, when there is reason to oppress whatever demographic is primarily using them. So we or, saw this with, or, with weed or, laws for immigrants. Right. Yeah. Or like when you want to push the yeah yeah like like there's there's a lot there are a lot of problems so for crack laws and for most people oh, that were oh, using we can, them we can do the LD50 of crack right. versus cocaine I think that's a fair way to uh, establish saw it. in the sort of counter, counterculture hippie movement yeah, dude. If this was as of 2017, it was a federal mandatory minimum sentence. So if you go to federal, you can go to federal prison for five years for either of those amounts of drugs. Right, but the vast majority of drug laws are enforced by state courts. Sure, but do you? Th- I mean, th- I think the point that doesn't take away from the point that the disparity is insane. I mean, like according to our federal system, fuck yeah, dude. What are you talking about? Of course it does. I mean. It we exists, have a, like, dude. It exists. It's a thing that can be that can be enforced by our federal government. Don't act like it's not important. Right, our federal government that like has officers roaming the streets all over the place. Well, if you're within a hundred miles drugs. of any uh, border, including the ocean, um, you are under the uh, um, authority of the uh, border patrol. Is that? I mean, I'm not asking you if that's true. That's true. If if you're within a hundred miles of either any border, including the border like with the fucking ocean, you're under federal um, jurisdiction through the border patrol, and the border patrol has a lot. There are a lot more caveats um, on your Fourth Amendment rights when the border patrol is involved. No. Yes. I think you have that a little backwards. 
Um, right. I believe the Customs and Border Patrol has, I mean, they have jurisdiction everywhere. They're a federal agency. The president, like the executive branch, has jurisdiction in the boundaries of the country and the territories. Did you listen but, to the same podcast as me today? Which one? Um, an episode of The Dig where specifically um, they discussed this. Um, I mean, I've, I'm sure I listened to that episode, but not today. Um, okay. Well, that's, what, that's but, what they were talking about. Yeah. But, well, I mean, the idea that I, I, mean, I was just getting there was that the um, within the 100-mile border zone, mm-hmm. the Customs and Border Patrol have significantly fewer restrictions on their adherence to the Fourth Amendment prohibition against unreasonable searches and seizures. And now that I have mentioned the Fourth Amendment, let's go ahead and get the full thing. Before before you read it, though, because Mm. what uh, are we having one of those situations when we're arguing, but arguing about about agreeing? Because, Mm. well, Uh, well, you said that they only was that there's there's more caveats on your Fourth Amendment rights when those particular federal agents are involved. Right. So You're you correct. Uh, but well, no, what I'm saying is a customs and border patrol. I said you had that a little bit backwards because a customs and border patrol officer outside of the hundred mile radius of the border still has to adhere to the Fourth Amendment as normal. Where do you live, Joe? I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't apply. Oh, me. Are you talking about me specifically? I'm not talking about whether it's going to be enforced upon you, but the fact that it could is there. Right. Yeah. 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 So we yeah. are in that jurisdiction, is what I'm saying. Right. right. We absolutely are, of course. And but I'm I'm just saying that, that people in the heartland aren't. And when I would argue, I'm pretty sure the vast majority of Americans live in technically in that jurisdiction within a hundred miles of any border, including like from the ocean. Yes. There's yes. Huge, we are. How many major mm-hmm. cities are in that? Most of them. Yeah. Yeah. No. I like. I. I. I know. What and, are we disagreeing like, I mean, on? <laughs> I'm just saying that it's not that only when Border Patrol is involved, like it's not that Border Patrol doesn't have to adhere to the Fourth Amendment in the same way as local police departments or other agencies. It's that they don't within 100 miles of the border. And yes, that covers most of the United States population, but is you know not entirely accurate to say that the, when Border Patrol is involved, um, you have different Fourth Amendment rights. We're saying the same thing. Um, my point, my only point was that you said that, like, there's, like, what is the likelihood that this federal law about the, uh, you know, the mandatory minimum sentence around crack cocaine versus powder cocaine is not going to affect that many people or, like, is not that important. But, like, in reality, if it hasn't been enforced that way as of yet, the point is that there's an opening for a huge portion of the American population to be subject to less rights with regards to drug laws, they're like, and that one specifically, because if you're arrested by a federal agent and you go to federal court and you are being tried for federal charges of possession of crack cocaine versus powder cocaine, there is a disparity in how that is enforced based off of, you know, the type of drug, which uh, is uh, known to be. Um, you know, crack cocaine being sold by the used, Reagan administration in our major cities, sold by CIA, <coughs> um, George Bush Senior. <laughs> you know, H-H-W. Benghazi, fucking uh, <laughs> PizzaGate. Yo, dude, 
That movie on Hulu <laughs> called Above Mad Majestic was batshit. Wait, what? I saw the first half of a movie on Hulu called Above Majestic. Oh, and yeah, yeah, It yeah. is, I think I told you a little bit about it. It is batshit. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Anyway, it's but uh, go ahead and read the Fourth <laughs> Amendment. <laughs> All right, let me read the Fourth Amendment. Um, where did I go? I just got distracted. Uh, federal. Do, 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 do. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Thank you, John Adams. John Adams? John Adams? <laughs> right, yeah, we did, yeah, um... Yeah, John Adams is there. I I watched the HBO show, and and there he is, Paul you? Giamatti. Yeah, it was quite good. Nice. So earlier, Joe, you mentioned the car exception. Mm, uh, well, in- should we? Okay, yeah. We, I mean, that's the automobile exception. Is uh, th- there? Are, all right, hang on. Let me actually see if I can pull this up in my notes. Um, uh, where did I? I can just say a little bit about this while you're yeah, looking at yeah, it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the automobile is an interesting case in which, at least according to Supreme Court precedent, um, you need not have a warrant. It's essentially an exception to this Fourth Amendment rule where police officers need not have a warrant to search a car. Mm-hmm. And this is explicitly sort of framed in the court case and i'm hoping that joe you're about to pull that up what that is no i'm not gonna i'm not going to pull that up it's the carroll case if you want to dig into a little bit more but basically it was a way to sort of respond to bootleggers there's the vices again ways to police the use of materially altering substances Hmm. Um, materially altering there it is. That's the that's what it is. Materially altering substances. Food, shelter. Drugs. drugs. The fun ones. The fun drugs. Also the mm, mm, not really just the fun ones. Um do 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 right. The ones just, that you though don't really want people taking while they're driving. Right. Yeah. That's the fun and dangerous ones, which, fun and dangerous. you know, Basically, I mean, don't we all have a little bit of a death wish? <laughs> so there's a podcast called 99% Invisible, which has a, an interesting podcast about this called Policing the Open Road, which is about how um, the, the advent or the, the common use of automobiles really changed policing. Um, police were sort of unable to enforce traffic laws or were having a hard time enforcing traffic laws. Um, and it was also during the time of prohibition. So there's sort of this twofold thing happened where um, as they decided to be the force that upheld traffic laws, they became um, more militarized isn't the right word, but more, um, they, they start, yeah, they became more armed and they started enforcing vice laws and they started becoming less, their, 
their roles started increasing and they started becoming sort of more professional um, and abundant. Mm -hmm. And also it changed the relationship, I think, between police officers and people. Yeah, I mean, it used to be that police officers would show up when, you know, someone was being harmed by someone else and, you know... All of a sudden, people are being harmed by their own behavior, and and we feel that that's that's something that requires a person with a gun. I guess one of the the for the case that Joe was talking about, they talk about it in this ninety nine percent invisible, and I guess a police officer saw like a known bootlegger was part of some sort of criminal gang and pulled him over, knowing like oh he almost definitely has booze in the car searched him, eventually found the booze, um, but it was hidden in, I think, grain bags or bag or bread or something. It was hidden in some sort of food item. So they had to like rip open, rip open these containers of the food to find it. Um, and he took it to court and said, there's no possible way that, that this... this police officer would have known that it was there. There's no way. This is a violation of my Fourth Amendment rights. This is an unreasonable search and seizure. The and, Court, as we... mm-hmm, and the Supreme Court in Carroll v. U.S., I just got to my notes, um, said basically vehicles are special because they can quickly be moved out of the jurisdiction in which a warrant w- might be sought. And now driving is one is is a dangerous thing to do. If... Yeah, yeah, there's for a lot of reasons. So. I found Including there's a list here. Of police. <laughs> uh, here's a list um, of uh, the exceptions to the warrant requirement. Exigent circumstances. These include things like hot pursuit of a suspected felon. Um, if the police were to say, see, show up at a party and see a fight, they can enter without a warrant in order to protect the people from hurting each other. Um, or preventing the destruction of evidence, which is often used um, in drug cases because, you know, toilets exist and drugs are not heavy. Um, well, alcohol is pretty heavy. So, you know, different, well, different policing methods. I suppose yeah, but an empty container is illegal too then. Yeah. Well, the I don't. Car it is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Go ahead. And then uh, in driving under the influence, poli- there is a question of whether police can take blood without a warrant. Um, and it depends, again, on a phrase that was used in the. Um, is taking 99%. blood, are you talking about like, what are you talking about? Like doing a blood test to see how drunk the person is. Okay. To, to, in I order to were like hit them with the DUI. Like hitting them with Vampire a, with cops. A or something. <laughs> taking their blood. Oh, no, away. no, no, no. Not, not. Enacting <laughs> <laughs> violence. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if we had a warrant require, requirement on police violence, it'd be a different country. Um, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> You should need a warrant to bring a gun. That's probably true. Um, I like the idea of a warrant requirement for police violence, even though I understand there's practical difficulties with that. Yeah, because they're just going to yeah. say exigent circumstances. Um, and any who, so Do you really, that's... What, what, who are you going to call if the police don't, aren't armed? Mm, all right, so the ex- exigent circumstances Yourself. is the first exception to the warrant requirement. Um, another one is plain view. This is also often used in cars and, you know, why cops often walk around a vehicle and shine their flashlight in. Cause if they can see drug paraphernalia, boom, like it's in plain view. Like I know that that 
you know, means I can search um, or seize, really. Um, right. Uh, there was a case, actually, an interesting one called Arizona v. Hicks, where um, there was some stolen stereo equipment. And uh, the police picked up the, t- like, equipment to look at the serial number to confirm that it had been stolen. And that was found to be a violation of the Fourth Amendment because it wasn't in plain view. Um, they had to actually touch the item. They had to seize it in order to see that it was illegal. Um, then there's the automobile exception, another exception to the warrant requirement. Um, then there's an exception that is uh, searches incident to lawful arrest. So if you are lawfully under arrest, uh, an officer may search you without a warrant. Um, basically, that means it, and combine that with the fact that you can be arrested for a minor traffic violation um you get a lot of problems um to do um do all right and then inventory searches which are more like administrative um if a car is impounded or a person is taken into to custody, so it's it's not necessarily looking for evidence of a crime, so it's not really subject to the warrant requirement. And then you can also do protective sweeps, um, which is basically when a cop's when a cop is lawfully in a space, they can do a protective sweep, basically check all the spaces that are large enough to contain a human being that might do them violence. Um, there's like also consent. <laughs> like a trunk <laughs> or a garbage can um, mm-hmm. or a closet or, you know, um, there's consent. A large wi- drawer. <laughs> a very large drawer. <laughs> um, uh, consent is a big one because, you know, police officer will always ask, hey, can I search your vehicle? And if you say yes, they don't need a requirement. A war- there's no warrant requirement, which means anything they find can be used against you. Um, and then there's a whole broad category called special needs um, that involves administrative searches like um, building inspections and things like that that are not looking for that are the purpose of them is not to find evidence of a crime, but to protect the public in some sort of uh, social way. Um, they might not be help. looking for the fake butter, but <laughs> they might just have to take a sample of it for later. Because... <laughs> That shit's yellow. Shit's butter. yellow. You're not allowed to dye that. <laughs> Very good, Jim. Um, the border that, is also... Is to, is the, my swift, <laughs> swift one-liners. Uh, the border is also under the special needs exception. I mean, obviously, like, special needs is sort of a, you know I, don't know, I don't know how much it's actually... That language is actually used in cases, but um, border. Un, at the border, police may search all vehicles crossing the border. This includes taking apart the gas tank the without... Border. Um, yeah. Just the one? I mean, there's only one border to... I mean, there's multiple borders, but, like, I mean, really, there's only one, right? Like, it's just... I know. (laughs) Hmm. Um, So, overall... This can even include taking apart the gas tank without a need for reasonable suspicion. Like, not even that you don't... (laughs) Yeah. This also includes setting up checkpoints at or near the border. I had a Um, friend in high school who used to hide booze in the... uh, inside the box um the intake box on your car you know how like there's like the filter and then a lot of them have like a big like intake box to like drown out the sound a little bit 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that big plastic box. You had like a little, like put a little quick disconnect, not quick disconnect, but like a little clamp instead of like the screw or whatever that was in there. And then we'll just take it apart and hide his be- like booze in there. Nice. Pretty smart. But yeah. apparently smart. they can search that without any fucking warrant. So Only if they buy the warrant. border. kind of unnecessary. Of and you like, have to be like border. We like, were always within 100 miles of the border. Yeah, we always were. We live in um, I mean, but we don't, we, but that that's, up, but, like, but well, <laughs> I mean, but you're not, but you're generally not crossing the border. True. That's like, so that's like, it's not, this one is like that type of gas tank right. search is only at the, like vehicles if I'm going that are to crossing Canada or the Mexico, border. Right? Or coming in yeah. from Canada or Mexico, not necessarily mm-hmm. like. Generally coming in because they can't search, like, they generally don't search you before because like that's up to Mexico to enforce, right? Or Canada. Yeah. I don't know. Anywho. Anywho. Um, police may also so search all mail or parcels that cross the border, and they may search persons crossing the border, but more intrusive searches such as body cavity searches or detentions require reasonable suspicion. Oof. Not even probable cause, just reasonable suspicion. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so oh, there's a million ways basically that someone can search you, whether it be on the, especially on the border, but especially even at the border, yeah. normally, with basically, you know, a cop can say that they smell weed immediately. That's probable cause. There doesn't have to be any weed in your car. There doesn't need to be so, even really the smell of weed. They can just say that they smell it. Exactly. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's basically little to no barrier for a police officer that wants to search somebody to search them especially if they're in a car more so even if they're in a car than if they're walking but um yeah but yeah absolutely but we drive we're we're a country of cars people are drive people drive all the time so you have this sort of confluence of things i bet you like a lot of people drive all the time but like that's driving all the time is is significantly less common in places that probably overlap pretty well with um, those that we might consider over policed. I mean, there's also stop and frisk type policies. It's mm-hmm. it's still very well possible to get searched for no reason, not in a car. But it's even easier to get searched in a car. But that is sort of a min- well, minute point. Yeah, it's not. I we mean, don't need to go into um, necessarily. I don't think. I mean. Stopping frisk is pretty rough, and it's—I mean—it's tied into the same sort of, you know, thinking about, you know, what. I'm just gonna—I'm just gonna finish my point. Sorry, I'm just gonna finish my point. Yeah, you should. So we have this sort of confluence of things where, if a cop wants to search somebody, they basically don't need a reason to search somebody, and at the same time, we have vice laws or criminalization of of all sorts of things that probably shouldn't be criminalized in the way that they are. We've talked in the past, um, though I know it might not make recordings about drug scheduling laws and how they're largely politicized and even the bodies that the government hires to, to say what drugs, what scheduling drugs should have come up with different schedules than they current, than currently exist. Mm -hmm. So like we talk about weed there's in reality, there's many potential medicinal uses, and there's relatively it, it's safe in a medically supervised setting, and 
there's some potential I mean, for it's abuse. Pretty, yeah, it some certainly shouldn't for... be a Schedule One drug. Right. I mean, it's pretty safe in a non-medically supervised, like it's very safe. S- right. Like it's a very you know, safe drug. I I don't know anybody that has ever like had like real serious health or behavior problems besides maybe like not showing up to work um, when they rely on that relationship to eat. Um, but outside of that, like, yeah, I mean, there's some potential for abuse, but even so you have a situation where if a cop wants to search you, they can search you. Yeah. And at the same time, we have a situation where things that shouldn't be as illegal as they are based on our own laws, you know, the structure of our scheduling laws Mm -hmm. dictates that weed should be a schedule three drug at most. Um, create this situation where a huge number of people can be imprisoned or detained at any point in time. Um, and if they do go to prison, um, the, the structure of our, our judiciary system is really problematic too. in that they basically are forced to make plea deals, even if oftentimes, even if they're not guilty for certain things. So if they, and if they go to prison, they can then, I don't know if we want to talk about this, but this is what I want to talk about. They can then be forced to work for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is hugely, obviously, problematic. And it's which... well, and it's, it just comes down to, I think we've talked about this before, but with the, you know, the 14th Amendment specifically who, allows who, or, slavery in the case of someone who's incarcerated. Right, right? 14th, yeah. yeah. Um, specifically allows for someone who's incarcerated to be a slave. It specifically says slavery is illegal unless they committed a crime and they're in jail, essentially, right? Like. They don't even have to be in jail, just unless they commit, you know, unless as punishment for a felony. Yeah. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States in a state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges of immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Wait, this isn't the right yeah, one. no, the Fourteenth Amendment. That's a really good one. That I was, I, I was right. It was the Thirteenth. Right. Oh my bad. Yeah. Um, um, but the Fourteenth has a lot in it. We should talk about privileges and immunities at some point. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, these things. You know, they they relate. But I mean, there's a reason that yeah. these are important things to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah but so the Thirteenth Amendment, anyway. You know, the, the neither fact. slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their di- jurisdiction. Um, like someone could be arrested and oh, like sent to work for Amazon as a we punishment, should, literally, we should, for free. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. a thing that's a, that like could happen based off of the constitutionality of that. Yeah, and it, it's tough because like you like the you know you hear that language and you immediately think, oh, duly convicted. What does that mean in a criminal justice system that looks as disparate as ours? And that. You know, uh, that's an argument, right? Like this, yeah. like in let, like what is the if we are going to say that this, like one, it's kind of abhorrent that we explicitly allow it for punishment for a crime. Fine, also, but it's if we then of by private companies, if we then look at the mass incarceration that has occurred, it probably Which with the other. <laughs> hard question yeah. but you know if we if if private we make the argument doing the incarcerating by the way too so it's oh. driving people out of having their liberties completely stripped away you know we we voluntarily get rid of liberty or let go of liberties 
as a part of the social contract of you know being a part of the society that's like there's liberty and justice for all sure sure so liberty is but you know these liberties are stripped away from people to the point where they're literally incarcerated against their will and then yeah they like are real liberty made to <laughs> like for slave wages or none or for no money for private companies in the service of private companies under the quote unquote like protection in the uh, under the uh, um, care of private companies that are getting paid by the federal government to do that like it's insane yeah. And it's, du- it's duly, duly convicted. Yeah, duly convicted. Duly right. Convicted. Because in what system? Be- <laughs> and under what economic circumstances? Yeah. <clears throat> it's rotten to the core, yeah. really. It's it's like any any reasonable person says follow the money, right? Like where where what are the motivations? Follow the money, follow the money. But like Yeah, I mean somehow y- this generally system of private companies operating systems that strip people of their liberties and benefit from the incarceration of people it's it's insane on the face of it like how how i mean of of, i mean yeah but i mean if every like ounce of political energy that goes into like this problem is you know supplanted by like your anti-police where do we get I mean, it need not be an anti-police thing. You could sort of more simply decriminalize vice, vice, political vice, quote unquote. Yeah. Right. Well, can but I, can I ask you a question, Tyler, really quick? Because I know you do more than Joe or I, I think, lean towards, you know, lending certain things to private industry. What do you think about the privatization of prisons? So I have sort of mixed feelings about this i'm a lot less um i'm hesitant to say extreme but i don't necessarily think that all things need to be driven by a profit motive that being said i think that the biggest problems are what is considered crime um so i think that you're okay with privatized police forces that enslave criminals. You just wish there were less of them. Criminals, that is. Well, no. So I think that as written, the 13th Amendment is inappropriate. I think that as punishment for a crime, I think that sort of is a violation of cruel and unusual punishment. Um. Yeah, and I think yeah. that so that right there, I don't think that people should be forced to work for free, um, even as punishment for a crime. I and I don't think that most of the things that are illegal should be illegal. Certainly, no drug offenses. Um, and I think that yeah. So I th- I think that the majority of un those two things in and of themselves would be sufficient to deal with the problem, even if there still were privatized prisons. Um, so do you, well, think my only argument that... against that Tyler is like, uh, and you know, again, I fucking don't know anything. So 
you know, take this with that big old grain of salt as with everything I say, but, um, I only act like I know things. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We all, don't we all, (laughs) um, but, uh, yeah, the only thing that I, I think as long as the profit motive is there, that it's always going to drive toward, you know, the money that people who own private, no one's going to own a private prison, prison if it's not profitable, right? It's going to go out of business. And if, uh, if it's I mean, not, I don't... if it's not profitable, they're out. If it, if it can be profitable and they are allowed to say lobby people that are representing us, but by proxy, those people that own those companies are being lobbied to pass laws that add to the profitability of, of private companies. I mean, this is, this is true across the board for everything, you know, every industry. Um, but the fact that it bleeds into our criminal justice system is, um, to me, um, you know, particularly egregious, you know, uh, those companies, the people at the head of those companies are legally required to act in the best interest of their shareholders, not in the people that they imprison, nor in the general public. Right. So as long as that's the case, and as long as the profit motive is to is exists, there's no way that I think a um, a company can privately and just you know justly and um, compassionately, however that is, uh, incarcerate people. You know, we uh, if we prison needs should... to exist, I think it needs to be a public thing, not a private we, thing. We That's should just probably me. just stop compensating the private companies per head. Right. Like we shouldn't well, align in, their yeah. prod of profit motive, which I mean, profit motive doesn't have to be a bad thing. If you think about it as surplus motive, which is to gather up money that has been created for the public good. But that's later. Um, right. Because like, you know, if you're compensating people for doing things that are pro-social instead of anti-social, then like profit can be a good thing. But it just it's profit when money is treated as a, a scarce resource that is is really problematic when not only is it treated as a scarce resource but a scarce resource that those that have benefited from all the way back to slavery have control over its creation i also think that the part of the problem is more the way is and i think this is generally the case and I don't know of a good solution to this, but I think whether or not it's a government-run system or a privatized system, the quality of life for the prisoners is going to be low as long as people dehumanize, continue to dehumanize them. So I think that to say, like a government, in government prisons, people will be treated better because there's not a profit motive. I, number one, think that that's not entirely realistic because the government exactly does try I'm to saying, minimize but... their cost. But also, I mean, so maybe not government, but if even if there is not a pr- profit motive, I think that I think that prisons try to have their costs as low as they can, while giving the inmates the basic quality of life that the minimum are amount okay required with. by the government. I think it's the minimum amount. Re- Required by but what? Re- required people, by regulations. By if the regulations were slackened, they would exploit it. Yes, it I think profit. this is totally true. Um, I don't know that uh, 
a, a government-run uh, public prison would necessarily provide a better quality of life for prisoners. I just think that the motivation to imprison more people is not there when it's public. Because if it's public, yeah, it's an expenditure to imprison more people. And when it's private, it's private profit that's motivating imprisoning more people. Compensated yeah. by head. Yes. I would that's say that the opinion. government structure has a vested interest in keeping uh, large prison facilities ready. I mean, look like, at California. The government... Well, yeah, for labor, but also just like, you know, they if if a government wants to sort of instigate martial law, they need to have a sort of widespread prison system. That's a great tool for an oppressive government to have. Um, so I don't necessarily think that there's less. I think that there's other different also insidious potential motives for uh, a government system to have a bunch of prisons. But it's I a think cost. really what is it's a cost to the government in that case that's all right but they can just create money <laughs> anyway yeah, i mean so it's, a, it, it's a cost to governments either way because government the government right. is usually yeah, government paying is the bill to the private right. prison yeah, yeah, yeah. true but um, they're also they're not it's actually yeah it's more costly probably uh paying the private prison because they are need a paying the both the cost of imprisoning those people plus the profit that the shareholders are all right, so um, uh, the person then responded to me and said, nope, just have a lot of people to respond to who are engaging in the discussion at hand. I don't have the time to discuss theoreticals at the moment. I personally happen to be in favor of a national bank, but this is not what is part of the discussion. That is not what is part of the discussion at the moment. First, we have to remove Trump. Biden may not get us all the way there to where you and I want to go, but to get a chance to even think and fight for this means we need to vote for Biden and then work from there. That's the same type of emergency thinking that has led to the extreme power of the executive branch. If we're going to bring about the change we need to even think about justice, we have to build power outside of the presidency. <clears throat> and if your general position is that Biden is not progressive enough, and that is what the campaign has to this is what the campaign has to say. It will take all of us working together to defeat Donald Trump and make progress towards affordable health care and college, clean energy, a strong middle class, and campaign finance reform. I agree with you there, too. Trump will not give up any of his powers. We have a better chance of taking back power under Biden. We have a better chance of taking back power by exerting it, and that means turning attention away from presidential politics, shortening the election cycle, publicly funding elections, and who can do that? Congress. Agree, but Trump will not allow any power to go to Congress if he can grab it. We have a better chance of that with Biden. LOL, you think so? The guy that wanted to put everything on the table to balance the budget? Congress has power when it creates money to pay people who are contributing to the common good and levies taxes to destroy money that is being used against the common good. But some of the most fundamental taxes meant to uphold our declarations of human rights, our customs and import taxes, have been given to the executive. Yep, agreed. Who do you think is going to be more likely to give up any presidential power, Trump or Biden? It can't be up to the president to give up power, but we have to vote for one. Who s says who? The fewer people vote for president while voting down ballot, the more illegitimate the executive's mandate is. I guess you can choose to waste your vote by not voting for anyone. You do have that freedom, but it really seems like a waste, and this year it is too important to get rid of Trump. I am personally of the opinion that we don't have... If we don't vote him out, then we may never, ever 
or sorry, we may never have anything ever resembling a free and fair election again. LOL, you're not electing a king unless that's what you believe. He is doing everything he can to make himself a dictator. I am against that. And by allowing the presidential election to dominate your political contribution, you are letting it happen and hoping for a better one. Actually, no. I am also helping a friend of mine with getting on our local school board. I am not putting all my eggs. All right, it gets kind of boring after that. I talk about how yeah, taxation I mean, I is you're not being a little bit unfair, Joe. But yeah, well, I mean, they reached out to me, dude. You fucking text text me randomly <laughs> about inc- politics. Like, I think it's incredible that there's actually someone that that wasn't just an automated bullshit message from Joe Biden. Like that was actually a person having a conversation with you and you just like pissed them off. (laughs) (laughs) I think often the first couple messages are automated and then if you engage, they send someone to actually talk to you. Yeah. I'm just surprised that that happened. Yeah. Because it was like it ended up being because the first two, I think you you said, definitely sounded automated. Yeah. um, Yeah. This this one. Hi, I'm blank person. You might be able to change this guy's mind. volunteering with the democrats is this joseph and i said yeah what do you think about money they said my apologies for taking a while to respond thank you for your patience election day is less than 70 days away can we count on your support for joe biden and the democrats and then those were the automated ones and then they said i think one should work for their money um yeah all of that and then um they talked about local politics and school districts and how they don't actually have any authority and they're just the farm team for other partisan elections that actually have taxation authority. And, uh, you know, they eventually said, getting back to the presidential election, will you support Biden or not? I said, LOL, no, I'd rather not vote for president. I do hope you have a great day, though. Thanks for engaging. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, like, the idea that this election is so much more dangerous than all the others... I think is kind of disingenuous because if you actually get to the root of what the actual most dangerous thing about Trump is, is his judiciary appointments. And yeah, which any any other I think it's valid that, you know, him having four more years of judiciary appointments is bad. But but any Republican in the current sphere, I mean, he's the people that he's going to put into power are going to be no worse than the person that Bush Jr. would have put into power. So this notion that this election is so much more dangerous than all the other ones because Trump is going to have another way to put people in the judiciary, and that's the most dangerous thing he can actually do, um, well, is disingenuous. I don't know. I mean, he has I think uh, mobilized the border patrol against Just people saying. protesting police brutality. <laughs> Wait, there was two things there. One was going to war, and one was the response to the, uh, the he, He's protest. mobilized you know, federal border patrol agents against protesters and do you think biden wouldn't have done that if people were actually protesting against him Mm, i'm not sure it would be so brazen no oh he is the tough on like the tough on crime democrat what the what happened to occupy fucking disappeared like overnight Hmm. (laughs) well it disappeared because you know military militarized cops went in there and tore right? everything down yeah damn mm, who 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 had who was in the uh executive branch when that happened uh no no need to be a wise ass joe tell me what you think <clears throat> i think I, I i like i think any in retrospect just to be clear too i'm not a, i wasn't i'm not a fan of barack obama nor am i a fan of joe biden but I think there's a valid argument that Biden would be better as an executive than Trump is. 
I mean, like less bad. Nicer. Like, I, I, I like, think that that's an argument, Joe. Like that's. I'm not saying that I want to vote for Biden. I'm not even saying that I'm going to vote for Biden. But I'm saying that I think there's an argument. I think there. it's a valid point. What's a valid point? That. Biden might not be as bad. His judiciary appointments wouldn't be as bad. He wouldn't stoke as much racism. Um, he probably would still crack down on protests, but maybe not as bad. He I probably would be a little worse on war. Be mobilizing fucking federal agents like that, and like these these protests aren't even against Donald Trump personally. This is about a specific thing, and I think under Biden there'd be a lot more pressure from the people within his party to, you know. Uh, uh, respond in you know probably not in a any kind of real material way and positively but at least you know not mobilize federal agents in unmarked vehicles against fucking randos in the streets like I don't R- think that would necessarily happen under Biden under Biden I mean yeah there'd probably be a little more process behind it um you know it wouldn't be as haphazard and slapdash. Um, but I think he would absolutely mobilize against any real protest. Like he, like he was just out there saying like rioting and destruction. I think he might've said rioting and violence like is not protesting. It's like, well, yes, it is. (laughs) It absolutely is protesting. Like, what do you, what are you serious? Of course it is. I just don't think that there's an argument that it literally doesn't matter at all whether it's Trump or Biden. Like that's I mean, yeah, if I was a swing vote, I like would probably pull the lever for Biden, but I I really don't think I am. I I'm no, not. I yeah, my point either, isn't that and I want him to win by a hair. I want him to be real nervous about all the people that didn't come out for him. I don't think my, he's going to win, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win either, but that's I want him to win by just a hair. That's what I want. Like that, like if you want, if you no. want me, Trump's gonna probably blow him out of the water. Yeah, it's gonna be real rough. It's gonna and be everybody's gonna be so shocked. Oh my god, how did this happen? Because no, wanna... sorry, Tyler, go ahead. No, it's all good. I'm just dominating the I conversation just... here today. <laughs> well, I just wanted to no, I not at all, but I wanted to clarify that I wasn't saying that Trump is good or that Trump is better than biden just that the notion that this election is the single most dangerous election and that if i don't vote for biden i'm letting america slide into anarchy and or the opposite. or or, or anarchy, either either anarchy or totalitarian exactly i don't i don't think that that's a reality no, I don't think so. Either. I think that it's not that much more dangerous than typical elections. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I it's. Think Biden I think it's would more be dangerous than Trump. Than yes, like I think he'd be basically the same on like a lot of things that matter to me. Um, you know, I mean, like they're they're both neoliberals, like right? They like I don't know. Trump does stoke racism in a scary way, though. Yeah, that's really, I will it's say really that terrifying. That is true. But, like, I mean, Marjorie Greene, like, these these people were already coming up the ranks of the Republican Party. Like, look at the Tea Party. Well, I, they were, I think that, you know, John Trump McCain is, chose Sarah Palin. Trump is like, not a uh, a vector of this, but, like, a symptom. 
of yeah, something that was totally already agree. happening for sure. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely put legs on a movement that was already happening though. I think it's, it hasn't like, um, it certainly hasn't slowed things down with regards to, you know, that type of politics. No, 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 no. I mean, it's certainly not, certainly not. But I mean, like, Do you want to like? Do you slow down the the political discussion so we can continue to ignore it while others suffer who aren't part of the political discussion because they don't have time to sit there and exchange a bunch of text messages and volunteering for Joe Biden because they're fucking working? I'm assuming that's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. I agree with you. I just, yeah. I struggle to say that, like, it doesn't fucking matter and that what we need to do is just, you know, rely on changing Congress when that's fucking not going to happen either. What? Fire them all. Fire all of them. Seriously. Like, I don't care. Like, even the ones you like. Fire all of them. Start from yeah. scratch, like, and stop and stop pretending like they don't have real power because they're fucking. They act like they by don't. the executive. Yeah, they don't. They act. They, like don't, they don't fucking it want them power to, be able to throw it to someone else and say, "Well, it's because this guy. It's because that guy." Uh, right. So while like their stock portfolios to... continue to rise. Yeah. Beyond the like fucking exploitation of these p of like the of so many hard working Americans. Yeah. The clip of AOC questioning, I don't know who she was questioning, but um, coming up with the, like the, I'm a bad guy thing. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but she's like, let's pretend I'm a bad guy. Yeah. And I want to make, you know, as I want to make as much money as I can with as little effort as possible. And then goes, but not through. for me, for my kids. Don't forget, no, that's she... a very important part. Like, I don't know if that was part of the the speech, but it's like so much of it is wielded for the benefit of of children. Because, like, if you you know aren't you know, it keeps your hands cleaner if you're just passing. Well, sure. Down I mean, wealth. in reality, people aren't evil, but the way that she posited it is like, say, I want to make as much money as as possible with as little effort as possible, and she sort of outlined the way that uh, a representative would could influence laws that basically boosted their stock portfolios. And, and, the, and the, she was questioning people about the legality of the things she was saying that she wanted to do. So she'd like posit something and say, "Is this legal?" And they'd say, uh, "Yes." We should put a wealth cap on your on people's ability to run for Congress. What do you mean? Only like, you, can, you like can't be if this you, rich. If you have, if <laughs> you must yeah, be this if tall, you, <laughs> must be this yeah, poor. <laughs> yeah, you must be this poor. Like if you have more, like then I don't know, f- f- four times the national average wealth, you can't be a, in Congress. Or, or either alternatively or additionally, um, you shouldn't be able to manage your own stock portfolio. Or buy or like, trade. I mean, you shouldn't be able to own stock while in office. 
Well, I I think it's well, I mean, fair if you have a four hundred one k that's separate from. Well, I don't know because then Fuck you, you still know. Well, I mean, yeah, still. No, you should like fucking I don't know. Hold cash. Like you want to have a bunch of money. Like hold cash. Like oh, but inflation. Like that's pretty constrictive. Why not just have it have to be managed? Because if they're not, if they aren't allowed to. Because I don't trust things. that there won't be information flowing. It's not about the in, the ability to change. It's about explicit access to information that is non-public. Like, I don't know, vote counts on upcoming legislation or drafting of bills that are necessary and going to be enacted under emergency circumstances when we fucking sign the omnibus funding bill because otherwise we're going to fucking shut down the government. I mean, all of government. that's just so easily circumvented, like... It's basically a non-starter. It's like, at, at like there, there's something. There's a loophole that's always going to be exploited. Like they could spend their whole term in office, like talking to their buddy who owns a private company that then hires them when they're done and then pays them a giant salary for doing nothing. You yeah. Know? Oh, and there's oh absolutely you know, like, not that's just that happened. you can't own stock, but like maybe you can't own stock ever after you like if you're going to serve like you you commit to never owning stock. I don't know if that's necessarily good either, Joe. On a, it, in a publicly like traded it. company. What well, then about, that, that, if, just, that just guarantees that everyone that's in Congress is going to be independently wealthy. What do you, what do you mean? Like, you don't think people that, like... Do you think that... No, but so stock? nobody right, who... What if, you, what if you can't... I own like, stock, I mean, Joe. Like, <laughs> I can't run for Congress now? Not really. I do. You just said right, fuck 401ks. <laughs> What if you? All right. What if you own? That's just guaranteeing. Like, if you don't need a retirement, you're allowed to run for Congress. (laughs) Sorry, repeat that. I mean, should we? Like, should retirement be based on your gambling in the stock market on the debts? We're not arguing about that. You're talking. You're trying to make a way for these people to be able to run for Congress and operate in there, in this current system of how it works. And I just think that that's a non-starter. Like, if we're if we're talking about what you just said, it's changing fucking everything. Right, but I it's mean, more than making that... regulations about like you can't have a retirement fund, because then nobody yeah. will run from Congress unless they are independently wealthy. I mean, we should ban retirement funds. Like if retirement accounts, like shouldn't be a what? thing. Like, that, what do you mean? That's then you you shouldn't be able to own a house either. I don't, nobody I should have. own anything. Why? <laughs> Property is a social construct. Okay, so anarchy I mean, we should just, or communism? Like, we should just, what are you talking we should just about? Fund, I mean, we should just yeah, fund, exactly. like, you should just, like, get Pure enough communism. money to live, like, when you the, retire. The powder like, cocaine of communism title. I'm not, like, <laughs> I'm not, like, most people would be able to continue to own stock and retire, like, retirement. Except they I wouldn't be able I, to be represented by other people who are in the same boat as them. Yeah, if you own stock, like you're already well enough represented. But you're not because in your system, then people can't run for Congress if they yeah. own stock. Way more people should own stock than currently own stock. Like that. Right, sh- but it, like, should they own stock? Like, what if it's just publicly traded stock, like basically national stock? I mean, st- like stock in national companies that like have real influence over our federal government. Yeah, I mean, every I think. Everyone should be in the stock market. I think it's public. If you I mean, use a product, sh- everybody then should, own part of the company. Everybody should own some of the like benefits of our collaboration, but like that doesn't have to be a like through this publicly traded pu- like company 
game. Like a lot of wealth is in private companies that aren't on the stock market. Like, well, sure, yeah, I think like probably I mean, a lot more people, wealth is actually. Well, no, that's 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 a, a really statement. wrong. Yeah. Are you sure? Regardless, I think I I'm think not entirely should... sure, but it sounds outrageous to me. I mean, a lot of the tr- I... like hedge funds are not traded. Like it's it's not a stock. Oh, it's a okay, share yeah, yeah. of a private. Oh, trust this? Or oh right, right, right. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's not shared on the New York Stock Exchange or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, Bad day for the stock market today, by the way. No good. Oof. Um, Rough. Let it. Let it. Let it fall. Let it fall. Sell. Sell. Sell, comrade. Uh, so, so, you, know, you sell. You sell, sell comrade. Wanna... That's a good title too. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about selling some yesterday, but I was pretty good on money. So. Uh, American households held over $98 trillion of wealth in 2018. U.S. household in 2018. Let's see. Uh, U.S. households held over $113 trillion in assets. Does that just mean that there's about $15 trillion in debts? Is that... Um, anyways... Uh, right, because that right asset wealth is assets minus debts minus liabilities. I'm guessing based on this if you say so. Look at the Brookings.edu um, website. Uh, if that amount were divided divided equally across the U.S. population of 329 <laughs> million, it would result in over 343 thousand dollars for each person. Mm-hmm. Almost three quarters of aggregate household assets are in the form of financial assets, namely stocks and mutual funds, retirement accounts, and closely held businesses. Real estate makes up the vast majority of non-financial assets. All right, so looks like, yeah, financial assets, stocks, mutual funds, retirement accounts, and closely held businesses um, account for three quarters of the aggregate household assets and so but the aggregate household assets was 113 trillion dollars so what is the value of the new york stock exchange not the company but the market cap <laughs> hmm I think New York stocks... Stock Exchange have stocks valued at fifteen trillion dollars. In this is a How Stuffs Works article from I don't know. Wait, fifteen trillion right? Fifteen trillion seems low. That says. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> that was nineteen ninety. Like, Wait. is that how much wealth is traded in the stock it's, exchange, or like, no, what's, how is the value? It, it's of... a capitalization. So basically, when you buy, like, the value of a company by market capitalization is mm-hmm. how much money the aggregate number of shares of the corporation have in value because you can trade them, um, right, for voting power because they represent voting power and the right to residual profits. Right. So you can trade them as if they had monetary value. And it seems like, in other words, if all the shares of IBM bought $91, if you perform that calculation across all 3,066 companies on the New York Stock Exchange and add them all up, you get a total capitalization of $15 trillion. I bet you that's a lot higher now these days. Because I don't know. So the thing that I'm looking at now says $28.5 trillion and $11 trillion. 
for the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ, respectively. Okay, so what you're, say- you're saying to me that publicly traded companies represent, so you said a NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange. There are other ones, but like we'll just say NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange, right? It I think was, those are the biggest ones. Those are the biggest the ones, yeah. So we're looking at um, uh, 38 20, trillion, 28, roughly. 39. Thirty-nine trillion. It was twenty-eight yeah. and eleven. Thirty-nine, yeah. 39 trillion dollars. Say, say forty trillion dollars compared to the two thousand eighteen amount. So this is this number is probably significantly higher. Those are all the figures you hear about the wealthiest adding trillions to their. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. Is, let's see if we can get a more current number. Current wealth in United States. Do do. While you're looking up that, I think I just want to say about stocks. I think that the stock market is a way that we could all better facilitate public ownership of like a better distributed public ownership of part of the means of production. But so there's this interesting thing where Right, but like, like if if you go to the corners of libertarianism and socialism, essentially, you get to the same spot. Right, but um, we're like based on those numbers, like even like if we like it, it's going to be wildly out of whack because like we're saying thirty nine trillion dollars for the value, and like we're comparing it to a number from two thousand eighteen that was one hundred and thirteen trillion dollars in assets, of which seventy five percent. So just for like roughly eighty you know 75 to 80 trillion dollars or no i guess it would be 80, uh, 95 anyways um no it, say 87 trillion dollars is financial assets and less than half of that is in the stock market but so another way to look at that is right now in the world that we live in today 30% of the financial wealth which is i mean that's really kind of a weird distinction distinction because it's equity which also i mean things sounds like things are getting double counted because that is also the value of land and all sorts of stuff um but i mean 30 but basically a third of that financial wealth is publicly owned privately owned by anyone who wants to buy it and there's essentially no barrier into buying it provided you have enough money and some of those things are really high like high like difficult to buy into but a lot of them are pretty small facebook stocks like a couple hundred bucks yeah i mean apple just uh did a four-way split yeah apple's 120 tesla just did a five-way split so they're down to 400 um nike's at around 100 ge's at like six bucks so i mean it's probably it's pretty amazon's at three thirty three hundred but it's pretty easy, right? But I mean, these are you ha- these are composition of household assets, and so financial assets include stock, which are yeah, I guess are part of the market capitalization is the value, the liquidation value of the real estate that they they control. But the you know that value is only exhibited when that particular corporation is operating, and that's I mean, obviously you could replace other parts of the corporation, but like. You know, it's the it's the I mean, it's the obligation sort of of all of the players within that organization working together to survive um, that lead to that 
valuation, right? And then really just games being speculated on who's going to be holding the bag next time they call a debt jubilee. These aren't exactly apples to apples comparisons, I think is what we're <clears> saying. I still think it's, I'm not sure it's what we're saying. Em- sort of <laughs> empowering to... Like I, I like to have stocks in the companies that I use all the time. I use Facebook almost every day. Like I want... Want to be partial a partial owner in that product, right? But I think people but think like, of that as sort of a socialist idea, but it's not. It's a shared desire by sort of both what people call opposite ends of of political ideology, like the libertarians and socialists alike want some ownership of the things that we use. It's more of a difference in mechanism of getting there. But as of now, we have the stock market, which is a start, right? I can be a partial owner in. I mean, but you're not really. You, you have no like you're no like you have no control with your share over. Like, do you vote? Do. You do yeah, vote you your do. proxies? Do you think they give a shit about your you vote? Could sell it. I vote it all the, the time. I vote. I vote in in almost every one of the votes for all the stocks that I own, and there's collections of people. Yeah, that has your has your has your your pick for uh, a member of the board ever fucking won? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. So did like you, Tesla. Did you select them personally and then promote them, or were you just choosing between four different? Are you mm-hmm. arguing that that would be the case if these things were didn't exist or were publicly owned, like through government? Yes, yeah, so you're just you're making a wasted vote argument. You're saying that it's not worth voting because so many people have votes. So no, basically I'm you're saying, saying it's democracy. not worth. I'm not saying it's. I'm saying it's not worth voting. So it's not worth voting unless you're in Congress, because then no, because people like the people that make the decisions, like, are just gaming it. Like they don't, like you don't get to choose who is on the board unless you own a substantial share. And you don't get to choose who runs for president unless you are a high level person in a political party. Exactly. Yeah, it's a pretty similar thing. Like I, I didn't get to choose who exactly. I didn't get to choose who ran for president. Yeah, which is why I won't vote for Joe Biden in Rhode Island. I vote. I Blasphemy. Do, I, I mean, I read vote comrade. Well, I don't know. I don't think if you don't want to vote, I would say that you don't need to vote. But I think that there are some similarities. Yes, the situation, the the process is somewhat rigged, depending on the business. In a, in a similar way to the our supposedly democratic process is somewhat rigged by uh, the re, re, Republican Democratic parties or like the DNC and RNC whatever. Um, but same thing. I still think it's it doesn't mean that voting isn't worthwhile or doesn't confer some degree of real power. I mean, I know that you know. I think as an example, I think this is kind of a fun example. Tesla. A lot of the people on the board of Tesla and and a bunch of some of the people on the board of Tesla and a bunch of the shareholders wanted Elon out. He wasn't treating it like a car company and they wanted him gone. Um, so they put it to a vote. And by far the biggest like observable collection of people like they had a bunch of people together that made up like 30 percent of the voting body that wanted him out. Um you know, people that like Tesla tend to like Elon. Um, so all the little people like me all voted for him to be the board member, and he stayed the board member. He stayed, he got the position. 
So I think it's possible that there's some degree of sort of democratization. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying that the I like that we shouldn't like have democratic ownership over these like networks of obligations that people have made to one another. Right? Like that's it's really important that we organize ourselves and and give responsibility to different folks for different things. Like and I th- and it becomes more possible when more people do it. In summation, <laughs> in summation, uh, none of us are happy with the way our system is. We might not necessarily agree on what it is that exactly needs to be changed, but something's fucking weird. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, I mean, like Ron Paul was so like big a uh, part of pushing the libertarian. Uh, persuasion in this country, if I'm not mistaken, right, Tyler, that he was involved in your sort of introduction? Oh, oh yeah. He was a huge part of my political awakening for a couple reasons. Partly because he had sort of a degree of honesty um, that, you know, Bernie had, but also he spoke a lot more to foreign policy things. Like he got up on the Republican debate stage and said, the conversation around 9-11 is not correct. Like this is blowback from bad foreign policy. Um, mm-hmm. And he got almost booed off the stage. I mean, heaven yeah. forbid that some that a presidential candidate admit that an attack on U.S. soil might be in part a response to U.S. foreign policy. I mean, it seems obvious if you think about it. What do you think we deserved no one else it? Is saying that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, like, how dare you say something like that? Yeah. Like, you're not a true patriot. That's, you know, people. Yeah, you don't. All you don't support our truth. What was that our men about? in blue? Exactly. What was that in response exactly. To? All this crazy I'm trying stuff. Trying to remember. What happened? I, I think I've it's gone down a memory hole. All right, so let's no, see. I'm just kidding. But there was wait, there was one other thing <laughs> that I think is really important and was really eye opening to me about Ron Paul is the media black blacklisting him. Mm. Like they like in and I think it was the Iowa primary. He came in third, and they were like, "This person came in first. This person came in second, and this person came in fourth. They're like, "These are the front runners of the Iowa primary." And you know, all those Ron Paul fans are sitting there like, what the fuck do you mean? Excuse my language, but like, what do you mean these are the first and top three people? Like, you literally said first, second, and fourth. What about the third? You know, like, but media just, in, in he would, he didn't get as much time in the debates, like, in every possible way that you can imagine, like, uh, the media decided they didn't like him. They tried to do the same with Bernie, but I really think a lot of the tools that we learned in trying to push Ron Paul to, sort of use social media to build up a candidate that the media was the mainstream media was trying to push down. We learned some things there. The top line on Ron Paul's Wikipedia entry, not to be confused with Rand Paul. No, definitely not to be confused. (laughs) But he also, back to our conversation, talked a lot about the gold standard and there's problems with the gold standard. I think Joe will have very strong opinions about this, Not today, but it would make money real. I, uh, what do you mean? Real? I, uh, oh, how God, much is gold I worth? Fucking to you, buddy? tried to. Uh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go around and have a uh, closing thoughts. Closing thoughts, guys. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Ron, 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 Ron Paul. Three released, sentences max. R- Ron Paul closing a statement book in September 29th, two thousand ten, called "End the Fed." So we'll get back to that later. That was a that was one run on sentence. Okay, um, Tyler. 
Money is real. <laughs> um, uh, fire them all, vote comrades. <laughs> uh, what was the what was the comrade? What was the thing earlier? Sell comrade. 